0: This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940-KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's Most Informative Real Estate Talk Show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide you with with real facts, real stats about our local market and um, also about our community because the community is home too. That's all part of the same equation. So anyway, if you don't happen to be in your car on the radio or sitting next to your transistor radio in your uh, easy chair, You can also stream the show by visiting our website, kynofresno.com, or simply download it on your mobile app uh, or ask Alexa to play Kino Fresno. Um, And if you miss a show or any show, you can go back and visit the website and um, hear them back, I, I think, several years back. Speaking of several years... Do you realize that this is the end of our third decade in of broadcasting this show? I now my guest just said, "Wow!" But okay, it, it I just it. mouthed it. <laughs> yeah, I should tell you, it's Scott Miller of the Chamber of Commerce and also the owner of
1: Gazebo Gardens. Good morning. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me back. This is my favorite real estate-themed radio show. There you go. <laughs> now.
0: I got to admit there's a bit of a exaggeration would be the word when I say the end of our third decade. You see, we started in 09. So that was one decade. Then there was the 10s and now oh. three, the, now in the 20s is three. But the point that I want to make by bringing that up is when you listen to real estate statistics, be careful to listen to the whole sentence and see what it really means. Because uh, you hear people say, oh, rates have, interest rates have plummeted. Well, get the whole story. Plummeted may not be the right word. Or uh, prices have gone through the roof. Get the real story. So
1: I already know all that stuff. I'm in my third decade of listening to this radio show. There you go, see? yeah.
0: <laughs> in fact, I got to know Scott because uh, Scott... And a couple of his uh, partners would right. would uh, do a show right after Welcome Home Radio,
1: called the Valley Valley Yeah, that was fun. You miss that, don't you? I really do. We had some we had some great times. COVID kind of broke up that that band, and and uh, we never we haven't we haven't uh, we haven't ever gotten it back together. In fact, I would have called those guys and talk about plants with them. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> We are gonna talk about plants uh, today too, Uh, landscaping, what it does for real estate values. But uh, first of all, I wanna jump into this Chamber of Commerce
1: thing that you're involved in. How did you get involved in This Chamber of Commerce thing. Well, I I joined the board, uh, gosh, almost 20 years ago, uh, because I was running for office and if you're running for office locally in the in the, the you know fresno county it's one of the stops you make the, the fresno chamber is very very active uh politically as you know and uh i did not win uh the election that year but i did uh i did get, start getting involved where they asked me to be on the board and i was already a business owner by that time and and uh gosh i just made some uh, learned an awful lot got some great mentors out of the gig and and uh now all these years later uh i i'm acting as the ceo of the organization so wow, wow i really love the chamber unironically so what does a chamber of commerce do that's a that's a very common question uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, the chambers uh, are are or business organizations, associations of uh, of businesses, and they're kind of different from place to place. But they generally the the common theme would be um, uh, that they that they advocate on behalf of business and uh, generally on behalf of their community. In the case of the Fresno Chamber, we are the Chamber of the City and the County of Fresno, and we were established in 1885. And pretty, uh, we're pretty big. We're the fifth largest uh, chamber in California and uh, very, very active one. So our programs are, uh, they, we have a lot of uh, educational programs and when we talk about education, we're talking about not just uh, educating businesses themselves but uh, about new things that are coming along. We do one, in fact, we have a Small Business University uh, webinar in January that's very popular Uh, because we talk about the new laws. We have or Watkins, and Whelan come in and talk about all the new things, and that's free to members. Uh, So uh, that's my little plug. Join the chamber. You get free webinars about uh, things. But also, so it's three things the chamber does. Let me just back up really quick. So we do education, uh, we do the types of networking things that, uh, that, that you you know, chambers for, ribbon cuttings and mixers, and the types of things where we get business people together to kind of generate leads and you know, magnify the uh, situation. And then we also do advocacy. Lots and lots of advocacy. Um, uh, we're a very, very active uh, chamber, politically speaking. We have a pack. We, we partner sometimes with the fresno association of realtors pretty successfully on getting people elected so mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and i have as you were describing what a chamber of commerce is that it, it reminded me of, that's exactly what the fresno association of realtors is it it does not own a real estate franchise it, uh, it's just a group of real estate professionals and offices that have joined together for those three things, education, networking, and advocacy.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it probably makes a lot of sense that our, our missions dovetail so well. I I mean, uh, you know this, uh, but, but uh, we, we see members of our board are at the same meetings constantly throughout the week with members of your board. That's right, yeah. so
0: if we hear of some business hears of a proposed ordinance uh, in the county or the city of Fresno. Um, they can go to the chamber and
1: is that a possible Absolutely. advocate? Yeah, we have a um, we have a very active committee called our Government Affairs Committee, and they meet once a month. And that's all that's all we talk about in that committee is what what's what what's the new thing coming uh coming through the government that's either going to affect business uh for the better or for the worse and then uh and, and we'll take it up and and uh, so you'll see you'll see us in front of the city council or in front of the board of supervisors quite frequently so we we take on state issues
0: i have seen yep. you at the city council meetings yes sir <laughs> yeah um yeah and actually that's great that we have A chamber of commerce that will help the little guy maybe it's a five-person business that doesn't on its own have a lot of clout but if you could if that five-person business can go to the Chamber of Commerce make some sense in their proposal or their response to a a proposal then that's a, a
1: much bigger organization can carry that forward and that's the Chamber of Commerce yeah and odds are if there's something affecting one five-person business it's going to be affecting many of them and when we all get together uh, we our our voices count all right that makes a lot of sense so what does it cost for a business to join the Chamber of Commerce Uh, it's it has to do with how many um, how many employees you have there's a there's a little um, spreadsheet on the website but basically for a uh, for a uh, 10 employees and less it's $465 a year. Okay, I thought but we do an give... awful lot for that. Yeah.
0: Um I thought you're going to give the uh, attorney response. Well, it depends. <laughs> well, it
1: does depend, but I people, you know, but I'm not uh uh, there's, there's, for most businesses, because most businesses, most of our members are under, uh, under 10 employees. And so for most businesses, it's $465. How many people are on your board? Uh, 27. Whoa. I think
0: yeah. you've got to run that, that, that'd be uh, like, well, her, that's <laughs> like herding cats.
1: How many people are on your board? 12.
0: Sheesh. Yeah, I know it's uh, easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, With that, we are going to go to our first commercial break. But when we get back, we're going to do our little segment on what the adults have learned from the kids on what a home really means. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio.
1: Welcome back to Welcome
0: Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio with us on this fine Saturday morning, we have Scott Miller of Gazebo Gardens. I think everybody has heard of Gazebo Gardens. Gosh, I sure hope so. Yeah. And it's hard not to drive by it because you were, like, I I would say geographically
1: right in the center of Fresno. I believe that to be the truth. It's pretty close to the truth. No more than one block off. Yeah. Yeah, no, we are really, uh, I, I just feel so lucky, you know, I, you, a place like that, you don't really own it. It's just, we just get to take care of it for a little while. It's, we had our hundred year anniversary in 2022.
0: And I didn't know you were that old.
1: Uh, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There were, <laughs> there were others who came before me and, and God willing, there'll be others who come after me. But, uh, but yeah, I re- it's a, it's a really, it's a really neat place.
0: All right. And on Friday nights, you Thursdays, s-
1: Fridays, and Saturdays, and sometimes Sunday brunch. Yeah, where the, we have food, what do food you trucks. do on the, at those <laughs> times? Uh, we uh we have a, a beer garden. The whole nursery becomes a beer garden, and uh, we'll have seven or ten food trucks out there and a, and a live band. And it's been a um, that beer garden mm. project has been a, a really uh, really successful for us, and it was just so lucky. We were just so. Uh, it wasn't a plan. People say, "Oh, how'd you make that happen? What kind of plan did you have to do that?" It was before there were a lot of these food truck gatherings around town, and uh, it was August one year, and I was there with uh, with our my our business partner in the nursery business. Uh, August is slow, those hundred and ten degree days are lonely, and you work <laughs> extra imagine. hard trying to keep everything alive, and you don't see any customers, and I. I turned to Diana, who was on the radio show with us for all those years, and I said, what would it take for you to want to be here today? And she said, you know, it'd be cool if there were, if we had a bar in here, that would help quite a bit. So that's what kind of gave us the idea, and and, uh, it caught on. Well, and when I was
0: 19 and 20 years old, I worked in the landscape business, and we always had a beer after work. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wait, no, I waited until I was 21, though. I I just corrected myself. (laughs) All right. Hey, let's get into our segment now. This is what the adults have learned from the kids on what a home really means. And a couple months ago, we had uh, the Homewards Essay Contest. We asked the kids to write a 150-word essay on uh, what does my home mean to me? There was an extra question in there too in case we needed a tiebreaker and that was what am I most proud of? Well, I'm gonna read you a, a handful of the excerpts from there, so not the whole essay. How old are these kids? Um,
1: Various uh, ages or?
0: Yeah, we, we had three categories. We had high school, so nine through 12. Yeah. Then we had fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. I take that back, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, and then 5th grade and under were Uh the three categories. So some of these are from 1st graders. Some of these are from 12th graders.
1: I can't wait. Let's hear them. All
0: right. Um, Here's one that was written by Grace, who is a 2nd grader. And, And this is just one sentence out of the many in her essay. Her home means everything to me. Period. I I just thought that was great, how she just delivered it simply. Um, And then she went on to say, I'm most proud of my
1: dinosaur pictures in my room.
0: Now, that sounds like a second (laughs) grade.
1: It sure does. And she's probably not the only person who feels that way about their home. Right. And I'm going to give some more here. But keep in mind,
0: adult conversations um, at the beer gardens are probably, oh, yeah, I got an interest rate of 3.5, or uh, it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market. You don't hear that from these kids. You hear what a home really is all about. So here's one by Ray Lynn, a fifth grader. In my home, my family makes memories. There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that is, that the center of the kid's life. Absolutely. Zoe, a third grader, said, my home is where I feel safe. That's good. Wow. Yeah. Are these real?
1: These are real?
0: Yes. Come on. (laughs) You know me. I can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Okay. Taylor in the eighth grade said, home is where we have quality time. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, It's also where you do your homework. Hopefully, Taylor in the eighth grade, (laughs) hope you're doing your homework there. I happen to know her, so me (laughs) saying that is very important. Here's one by Noah, who's a ninth grader. I know there are a lot of people who don't have a home, so I'm very grateful. What I like yeah. about that, there's a, a kid that sees the world. He, he's seeing outside of his own life and seeing that there's others that aren't as fortunate as he is. Yeah. So thank you, Noah, for giving that. And here's our last one. And this is written by a meek, a first grader. Papa reads me a book every night and gives me a big hug. So, and
1: that's what home means to him. Those are good. Yeah.
0: So I think what we learn from the kids is what, what a home really is. You know, we, uh, adults can get too tied up uh, in uh, numbers and timing the market just right. Well, let's say you were to time the market and um, you had to wait five years for the absolute bottom well you missed out on all those things that they the kids just taught us about I'm not saying to ignore the numbers but put it in balance keep focus on that so I've got a proposal for the Chamber of Commerce you should start a children's division (laughs) where they because you did say education was part of what you guys do so here the children are educating us
1: Uh, that's a pretty good one we have a we have a group called the junior board that's made up of uh high school leadership uh kids from all over the county and you do learn a lot from uh, in a whole different way we learn a lot from those guys i'll bet
0: (laughs) so um when you get this board all set up, the children's board, uh, maybe you can get me in there, <laughs> the <absolute>. honorary member.
1: <laughs> you know, just you know just, what? Just, That's to be to be a hundred percent serious. I think it would be great if you would come and uh, I'm going to call you out right now. If you <laughs> if you'd come and talk to our uh, to to uh, one of our high school programs, we have another high school program called the Young Entrepreneurs Program that we're doing in partnership <laughs> with the. Um, uh, County Office of Education to, to take at-risk kids and and run them through a, a six-week entrepreneurship uh, class, and uh, it's where we're... Um this is the first year back, but we ran it for uh, uh, about three years as part of a leadership Fresno program, and I tell you, some of the greatest uh, stories, uh, uh, educational stories I've ever I've ever seen were through that program. So I'm really excited to get back to it, mm-hmm. and and we need to get you to come in and talk to them. And i and, but you know, the you you just were kind of t- taking the focus off of interest rates and payments and so forth. But when it comes to financial literacy, um, those are some of the most important things for kids to learn the basics of. I I think both sides, I mean, obviously what you're saying there is, is also true, but uh, but to uh, when you talk about those things in the context of home ownership or of car ownership or, you know, the the types of things that are kind of aspirational for a lot of people, and once it clicks and once they understand that they can do it a, a, a you know a kid who maybe thinks that you know the the kind of american dream is out of their reach when when they start talking to people like you about those topics uh you can you can really see the light bulb go off so i'm going to i'm going to rope you in don
0: all right it may not be too hard for you to do that cuz i already have a program, program written i actually a couple years ago had one of our welcome home radio listeners call me up during the week and say would you come and talk to my high school class about financial literacy so i i still have that program all written out um and I could do it. it in the big one. Hey, and I, I have a lot of good ones that I could use with kids. You know, I, I have that uh, uh, adolescent sense of humor. <laughs> so I tell them, let me give you a tip on how you can live on 110% of what you
1: earn. Go get yourself a credit card and overuse it. Well, yeah. And, and, and many people do and so have again like I, I'm preaching to the choir here but but to be able to start dropping those ideas on on uh, kids when they're 13 14 15 instead of just hearing it for the first time when you're 25 like mm-hmm. it's uh it makes a difference
0: yeah that's right um so financial literacy is something that uh, kids need to hear, too, because just like the kids are teaching us something, we can help teach the kids, too, and they need to know about those numbers. So, all right, when we get back from our next commercial break, we're going to be talking about what landscaping or what kind of value it brings to real estate. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940-KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio, we have Mr. Landscape with us. That would be Scott Miller of Gazebo Gardens. Also, you've heard his name. He's out there, uh, the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, But in this segment, we're going to be talking landscape and what landscape does for a home. Um, Let me ask you, does the... the amount or type of landscaping you have affect the value of a home
1: well some of that's a be- probably a better question for you although I do know um <clears throat> the uh I, we we have been hired many times over the years uh to to f- fix a house up uh as it's going on the market and uh and I think the uh well, that's it's a much better question for you. But what what do you suppose that percentage of uh, curb appeal? What's in terms of percentage of 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 price on a on a uh, on a home? It's not all one thing. I mean, it's landscaping is the first thing you see. Then you see the front door. Then you open the door and you smell brownies cooking. But yeah, you know, what, mm-hmm. what, what percentage do you suppose it is? Well, I'm going to give the attorney
0: answer. Well, it depends, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm going to go. If you've back. had
1: gazebo gardens do it, It adds quite a bit more, I'm there, sure. Then there you uh, go. Yes,
0: that's right. Some of that is going to depend on the neighborhood and how you conform to the rest of the neighborhood. So here's a lesson I learned, geez, 30, 40 years ago. Um, I was talking to this builder, who well, actually he was my boss too. I worked for him, <laughs> and I was saying, "Hey, Joe, I could buy the same square footage for the same price down the street, and they're going to offer me points buy down points. uh can you do that?" He told me, "Well, then go buy that home, but don't come <laughs> complaining to me in twenty years." <laughs> And here's what I got from him. And he went on to explain, although he was very, very short on words, (laughs) you you had to learn how to listen because if he couldn't say it in five words, he wasn't going to say it. (laughs) But he said, if you can't afford to live in my neighborhood, don't buy here. And what he was really saying is, because I saw it within a year, um, the people that did not need the help to move in there they could afford landscaping and custom drapes and you know and stuff like that so the landscaping in that neighborhood had mounds and boulders and olive trees Um, whereas the other neighborhood which remember started off at about the same price um, those people needed to be helped to get in Uh, with with points Um, (laughs) and excuse me but their their um, landscaping was much plainer it was flat grass yeah um, and even a a year or two later there were still sheets up on the wall the windows rather than draperies or, or blinds so yeah there was something to that so Oh, and then you fast forward thirty years. I'm gonna say there's about a ten percent difference in value based on you know same square footage, same general location, but one has much better landscaping than the other.
1: That sounds about right to me of course and of course there's always the 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 distinction between the the established landscaping and the recently redone landscaping and the brand new home landscaping i i mean i m- my take on it is that the really established landscaping that you've been working on for a while that no amount of money can replace probably adds more to the value of a home than the than the quick one that you just throw in because your house is about to be for sale
0: yeah yeah let me ask you about zero escaping. how do you spell that X E R
1: I S <laughs> C A P I N G. There you go. All right. And who am I to dispute yeah. with you? <laughs> Starts with an X. I know that.
0: All right. That hasn't really caught on the way I thought
1: it would ten years ago. I've I uh as we were talking about during the break, I mean you and I have had this uh have had this little debate or discussion a few times. For me it was artificial. Artificial turf. I thought certainly this is not going to catch on, uh, and I think as a as a as a way of saving water, I don't think it really has. Uh, but it's it's great for a lot of other things. But xeriscape itself, I gosh, I I graduated from college in 1994, and that was the big thing. I was going to come back to Fresno and xeriscape everybody up, and then spent the next 25 years. Installing miles and miles and miles of fescue sod. Um, I I think you know we live in a place that's always going to have big dry spells, and 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 on balance seems to be getting drier. But then we had the wettest year on record just last year. So I think that um, if you like the look of gravel and plants that are pretty sparse th- that's that's a, absolutely 100 percent fair but that's not the only way to save water um the i in fact one of the best drought tolerant landscapes uh around uh in my opinion is uh, is at the chaffee zoo and um and as you go from from one display to the next display, you'll see uh, quite a few different styles of landscaping and they're all very drought tolerant and very appropriate for our climate. So just because, uh, just be- just because we need to save water doesn't mean you have to have just you know, a rock with a plant next to it in your front yard.
0: And you, and you surprised me a little bit when you said you're not really sure that, it's, that uh, artificial turf has saved much water why why would that be or is that not what you well, said
1: <laughs> i i mean that that's i mean you, you do have to kind of wash it to keep it nice it gets real dusty and gross if you and then you have to sweep it and and it's it's a it's a lot of care b when it starts to wear out it's about the saddest looking thing in the world um you can tell like i'm old carpet you can tell i'm not a big fan um of it, I, I mean nobody nobody gets into the nursery business because they like artificial plants.
0: <laughs> All right, I guess that'd be like uh me saying, I don't really like uh, thirty five story condos, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, here in Fresno, right. <laughs> All right, um I've always been a proponent of the right tree in the right place really adds value. You put the right tree in the wrong place and you're going to hurt value. And I'll give you my example of that. Uh, You put a tree too close to the roof. Um, That thing's going to, in the first couple of years, it's fine. But then it
1: grows and now it starts littering on the roof. People do that with all Uh, not just trees, but all, all different kinds of plants. You really, you you really should try to take into account the size it'll be at five years and 10 years before you plant it. They'll, I mean, people also plant roses for instance, much too close to the sidewalk on the day you plant it. It's 18 inches wide. And you know, three months after that it's four feet wide, but yeah, in the case of trees and you know, the neighborhood where gazebo gardens is, is One of the oldest neighborhoods in town, and so you get a chance to see uh, all the mistakes people have made, particularly back in the old days when uh, you know when you are looking at a brick foundation on a house, and it's got a big giant tree planted next to it. They they just start to kind of fall apart. A tree can destroy your house and your plumbing, and your sidewalk, and the street near your house if you don't. But if you plant a tree that's the wrong type too close to your hardscape, you're in trouble.
0: So what's a good tree to plant if it, let's say it's in your front yard, and it's gonna be within five, 10 feet of your sewer line. What, so you wanna pick something that doesn't have root, a root structure yeah. that's gonna be damaging.
1: Well, new sewer lines are a lot different than old sewer lines. The, and the, again, in these neighborhoods, Fig Garden and the Tower District and downtown, you've got clay sewer pipes and iron sewer pipes that they used to just stick together. They would just push them together, so they leak a little bit and then the roots find their way in. That's not as big of a problem with newer construction because uh, it doesn't leak and the roots don't know where the water is, but Uh, what, what can happen to the plastic pipes is that they can just get physically pushed out of the way by a tree planted too close to them. And that it's almost as bad. Um, so smaller trees, smaller trees, closer to the house. Um, if you're going to plant a a larger tree, oaks and elms and ash and the types of large trees that you see around here, you want to, you want to get those at least 25 30 feet away from your house all right
0: one of my favorite trees especially ah this time of year is a chinese pistache yeah are are they pretty is the root structure in that pretty good
1: they're they're a kind of a medium-sized tree the uh, i'd say the the roots are yeah, the, their roots are pretty good. They don't have a lot of big surface roots, but you still wouldn't want to plant it near a septic system or or with uh, really any closer than maybe 15 or 20 feet from the house. And and that's just something people, I, I will argue, people will come to the nursery and ask my advice and then argue. How how close should I put this to the house? I'll say 20 feet and they'll say, okay, five. So five's good then. I'm, yeah, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> well they didn't tell you they bought new construction and their their front yards only 10 feet <laughs> right yeah that that does make it more of a challenge and um, that's an interesting one to me on the uh, on the newer newer homes tract homes the backyards where it literally is 30 40 feet deep it really gets down to who which neighbor plants the tree first as to, to decides what kind of trees everybody in the neighborhood's going to have interesting So I'll bet that's changed your business a little bit as yard
0: sizes are shrinking from what they were 30, 40 years ago. Uh, Back then, having a 9,000 square foot lot was not, you know, it was typical. Now, a 4,000
1: square foot lot, half of that is uh, more typical. There's a lot to be said for smaller homes and smaller yards, and and the you know less amount of care that it takes. But doesn't mean you can plant as many trees in a four thousand foot yard as you could in a twenty thousand foot yard. And people still give it a give it the old college try. All right. Well, stay
0: tuned. We're going to our next commercial break, but um, we'll be right back to Welcome Home Radio nine forty K Y N O. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio we have Scott Miller of Gazebo Gardens, and we've been talking about um, how landscape affects the value of a home. And as our music, entry music said, put me in, Coach. What should, Coach, tell us, what should we be planning for the new year, for 2024, as far as adding value to our landscape
1: well uh, you know one of the things that you mentioned is how how um, landscaping can really affect your power bills if you if you're strategic about where you plant a tree and what kind of tree you plant it really can have a measurable uh, effect on on your heating and cooling bills for instance if you take a, a kind of a larger shade tree a faster growing uh, tree like a chinese elm plant that on the south side of your house um you know again 20 15 20 feet away from the house um it will so you mean five feet right (laughs) It'll get big enough, fast enough to actually shade that south wall of the home, which will lower your PG&E bills. But then it's deciduous, so the leaves fall off in the in the wintertime. And on a good sunny day like this, it'll allow the house to heat up as well. So,
0: All right. I'm glad you brought that up about deciduous trees because they have a, a, a two-way effect. They shade us in the summer but they allow sun in during the, the winter when you, you want a little more heat.
1: Right, and a lot of people come in and they'll, the, the questions you get at a nursery are, uh, they they always crack me up, but they what, the, what's a plant, uh, for instance, and on this topic, what's a tree that looks good all year long? Well, there might be some. Citrus trees, I think, kind of look the same. You know, evergreen trees. But every plant drops something. People don't want, you know, people don't want to pick up the leaves, or they want nothing is blooming all the time, and nothing is, nothing is free from a mess. So I happen to like deciduous trees. You rake leaves, you know, once or twice a year. What's the, what's, you know, it's not the end of the world. But you get some sunlight at the time of the year when you need it the most. Right. But they also drop things into your
0: rain gutters. And so you got to keep those clean. I remember uh, I went over to see a friend one time to watch a football game and as I was walking up I said hey Dan you better clean out your gutter. I noticed some leaves and debris in there and a few weeds starting to grow out. He goes uh, and I said you know if you don't do that you're going to end up with dry rot on your fascia board and he's kind of rolled his eyes yeah 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 you know go in watch the football game and that was it. Three years later, he calls me up and he says, hey, I want to sell my house. Can you come by, take a look, see what we can get for it? I went over there and I said, sure enough, there was dry rot right there. Where right where ne- you called it. Yeah. And he never did clean out the rain gutter until we put the home on the market. Then he got it real nice and clean, uh, replaced the fascia board, but a 30-minute Job in the autumn, yeah. Um, ended up costing them a few bucks on that. So, uh, yeah. Once again, walk around the house once in a while, uh, see if there's any uh, tree branches laying on the roof. I know your insurance agents are always looking for that, so because uh, uh, that's not a safe thing. It'll prematurely ruin your roof, um, so or or
1: wear it out. Um you know one thing about when it comes to to real estate related uh n- nursery stuff landscaping related is that uh the second most common question and I mean this I'm 100% honestly that I have gotten in 35 years in the nursery business is how do I kill my neighbor's tree <laughs> <laughs> and i know the answer but i don't give it away i you know i i don't I, I i don't advise people to kill their neighbors trees but it is something to keep in mind that um you know as you're looking at a home um look for that look for that tree that's been recently planted along the property line that's going to grow up that you don't really have any control over and it's uh so while it's uh, it's bad form to plant a tree right up close to your house the other mistake that people make is planting a big tree right at their fence line Uh, because if you're if you've got a tree that's going to be 50 or 70 feet wide and you plant it one foot away from your fence a it's going to knock the fence down and b it's potentially going to cause some big problems for your neighbor's pool which is very frequently 10 feet away as well so yeah. Okay. So it kind of goes
0: back to what I said earlier, the right tree in the right place right. can add value. So five feet away from the foundation is probably not the right
1: one for a camphor tree. Right. And you, but you just can't believe, now maybe you would believe it, that the just amount of time that people spend being mad at their neighbor's tree. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard <laughs> some, a few stories. Some very, very big issues out there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um you know, you can't just it doesn't really solve
1: the problem just to cut the branches off at the fence line. Well, no, but people do, which is eventually that can cause a the tree to if it's a big enough tree, it can cause it yeah. to fall in the opposite direction. Right and in the meantime it kind of looks a little goofy. Right. Well, yeah, look the, the the from the yeah, if you've cut a tree off flat, you still got to see it from your yard. It's going to be a big ugly tree right in your line of sight whether it's hanging over your fence line or not. So, so I was just traveling
0: through Southern California and down in Anaheim I saw a Deodora pine, which is what you see a lot of on Van Ness, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, in Old Fig. The problem is, it was trimmed way back to the stubs, mm. and there was no greenery on it. It was the goofiest looking thing, and no, it was not in Disneyland either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't
1: they don't like that kind of pruning. So yeah, I mean, uh, again, if you're talking to you're talking to the nursery guy, where well, this is the kind of stuff we're going to talk about, but but really, trees are. Uh, Trees are a long-term commitment, and it, it really makes sense to get some advice, you know, uh, about how big they're going to be. And, in fact, it's so easy now with, uh, with Google Maps. I, if people want to come and talk to me about where to plant things, the quickest thing is if you're at your office or at your computer, take a, you know, print out an aerial view of your home site, and uh, we can just go through and pick out the spots the best spots for a tree. Mhm. Now,
0: I know and, and don't just give me the 2-second answer in this. What's the advantages to an annual versus a perennial?
1: Well, the um so annuals are those t- typically those six-pack plants that you get and it's a little quick pop of color and um they, the prices on those have really been going up over the, I've been in the nursery business so long that I remember when a six, I mean, a, a, a flat 36 count flat cost $7 and 50 cents. And, you know, now in general, they're 25 bucks or so. What made um, them go up? Same thing that made everything else go uh, up. Minim- minim- minimum wage was three twenty five back at that time too. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. yeah. I actually knew the answer to that question. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, rhetorically speaking, yeah, everything has gone. In fact, my 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 first house was sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and uh, and and I planted some I planted some seven dollar annuals in front of it, and, and you uh, get it. <laughs> jump in value right there. (laughs) Right. But so the difference between annuals and perennials are the perennials are uh, there's herbaceous perennials that are um, that are that that don't get woody uh, like like sages and those types of things. And they'll have typically they'll have a blooming season and a season where you cut them way back. It just depends on um a couple of things it depends on uh what style your landscaping is and and really if you need it if you if if there's a wedding or you have a date that you're trying to hit where you that thing better be blooming because everybody's coming over and i want to see that color then it's better to go with annuals because you can kind of control what's going to happen with them a little bit more but
0: all right um Next question I have. You were mentioning something about the Valley Business Awards coming up. Can you tell us about that?
1: Uh, yes, sir. So that's b- back. That's back on the Chamber of Commerce thing. One of our one of our biggest uh, uh, awards of the year, and and in fact, the chamber's largest uh, a community award is the Leon S. Peters Award, and uh, this is the 40th anniversary of the Leon S. Peters Award, and it's usually given to somebody. Um, who has done uh, really a lot for the community, um, uh, been very successful in business, and then given a lot back to the community, and uh, and certainly named for Leon Leon S. Peters, who did so much for the community. But last year was Sally Caglia, and um, who just passed. And and uh, this year we'd like to, we're hoping for another uh, great one. So the um, So the uh, application, you can nominate somebody for that award and the applications are open right now and they'll be open for the next two weeks on the chamber's website, which is www.fresnochamber.com. But we would love to have some nominations for that. And there's also, in addition to the Leon S. Peters Award, there's also a a Student Entrepreneur Award, uh, the Zinken Award for established businesses that give a lot back. Uh, So if you... uh, it's worth looking into
0: all right i want to thank you very much scott for coming in and sharing your expertise your knowledge with us and hopefully we learned a little something about landscape but also what our chamber of commerce does for our community because don't forget our community is our home also so thank you very much scott couldn't have said it better myself thank you for having me back all right we'll do it again Uh, We'll be back again next Saturday, so tune in to Welcome Home Radio. Thank you.